Hey friends, welcome back to the Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm your host of this podcast, and I want to thank you for joining with me for this week's message. Today we are wrapping up our series on people of faith by talking about William Bradford, who was the early governor at Plymouth Plantation after the pilgrims arrived here from England in 1620. It's the story of the first Thanksgiving and the story about how his faith in Christ shaped his life and his leadership for those early years here in the New World. It's a story that instructs us on how we can live out our faith in our time. I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message on William Bradford. Today we are concluding our series on people of faith. We are looking at the life of William Bradford, one of the leading pilgrims who first came to Massachusetts from England on the Mayflower. This week, we are celebrating the 400th anniversary of the first Thanksgiving. The pilgrims arrived in Massachusetts in 1620, but it was one year later in 1621 where they held their first Thanksgiving. Look how far we have come <clears throat> in the last 400 years. <clears throat> it's a remarkable story that is rooted in the Christian faith of many of those early settlers. On April 5th, 1621, Governor John Carver and about 100 pilgrims at Plymouth Rock watched the Mayflower hoist its anchors and sail from Cape Cod Bay back to England. One week later, on a hot, sunny day, Carver dropped his hoe, complaining of an awful headache. Two days later, he was dead. By unanimous consent, a handful of remaining colonists elected 32-year-old William Bradford to take his place. The fate of the colony, indeed of their very lives, hung in the balance. With unfaltering faith and unwavering courage, Bradford accepted the challenge, trusting the outcome to the Lord. As we look at the life of William Bradford, we can see three key elements. His early lessons in trust, inheriting a mess, and the Plymouth Plantation. First of all was his early years in trust. Although life at Plymouth would test his faith in ways William Bradford could not yet imagine, he already had 20 years of experience trusting the Lord. In 1591, one year after his birth in Yorkshire, England, his father died. When his mother remarried, she sent young William to live first with his grandfather and then with his uncles. At the age of 12, a serious illness left him concerned for his soul. At that time, organized religion in England was in disarray. Many priests did not live near their parishes, 
and many did not even preach the four sermons each year required by law. Although Osterfield's priest lived in his parish, he was ignorant and easygoing, showing no zeal for the things of God. Evangelical groups formed in the area, and Bradford began to attend their meetings, even though this angered his uncles. The Church of England and the English government joined together in persecuting those who wanted to separate from the Church of England. These separatists were harassed, fined, and imprisoned on various pretexts. The persecution was so severe that eventually they decided to emigrate to the Netherlands in search of religious freedom and relief from persecution. Their voyages, however, were plagued with innumerable difficulties. Since England made it illegal for them to leave the country, they had to sneak out. Some had money and goods stolen, while others were pursued by troops. In addition to these setbacks, some separatists were betrayed by the captains who were supposed to take them overseas. Captured in 1607, 18-year-old William Bradford found himself imprisoned for his beliefs. Because of his youth, he was soon freed and made his way to Holland, where he obtained employment as a weaver. He married Dorothy May in 1613 and was soon included in the highest separatist councils. The exiles under pastors John Robinson and William Brewster settled in Leyden. Conditions were harsh and income was scarce. The mortality rate was high and the work grueling. After living in Holland for 11 years, feeling desperate, the separatists determined to emigrate to the New World and establish a settlement where they could improve their situation. William Bradford said there were four reasons for leaving Holland for the New World. One was that conditions in Holland for the separatists were so harsh that many in England chose to go to prison instead of moving there. Secondly, working conditions were not good and many people were dying prematurely. Thirdly, they felt like they were losing their children. Some young people's physical health was endangered by overwork. Some were being led into bad behaviors by irreligious neighbors and others were joining the army or the navy, thereby endangering their souls with wicked companionship. And fourthly, they hoped to promote the gospel of Christ in the remote parts of the world. So after many hardships, betrayals, and dangers, a small party of separatists, along with some other migrants, sailed to New England on the Mayflower. The small band of travelers became known as the Pilgrims, and William Bradford helped select Plymouth as the place where they would settle. 
The second part of William Bradford's life was inheriting a mess. The pilgrims sailed from England to Cape Cod. Shortly after arriving in the New World, William Bradford's wife Dorothy drowned in the Cape Cod Harbor after she fell overboard when the ship was sitting still in the water. Because of the reticence of the account, historians conjecture that her death might have been a suicide. Conditions at the new settlement were formidable. When Governor John Carver died, William Bradford inherited enormous problems. Food was scarce, and for several years, the pilgrims lived close to starvation. The Native Americans rightfully resented the encroachment on their lands. A plague broke out, killing more than half the pilgrims the first winter. They quarreled among themselves, and the venture capitalists in England who had funded their expedition made unreasonable demands. Under these trying circumstances, Bradford was repeatedly elected governor, serving without pay for 14 terms, and then receiving only 20 pounds annually for all his work. The workload was so heavy that he pleaded with others to take turns governing the settlement. But in 34 years, he was able to escape re-election for only five years. Although overworked and underpaid, Bradford was a good governor. He was a legislator, an executive, and a judge all rolled into one. But he stood by his integrity and did not abuse his power. He tried to be peaceable and fair with the Native Americans. He showed Christian charity to later colonists who abused the system. He was not power hungry. In 1630, a patent from England gave him authority to take all the land of the colony for himself. Bradford showed his true Christian spirit by immediately dividing the property between the old comers and allowing the rights of self-government to continue as before. Not everyone who arrived in Massachusetts was a Puritan. Bradford was tolerant of those whose religious views differed from his own, except for the Quakers. He relied heavily on Miles Standish. Some historians speculate that Standish was a Catholic. Whether or not this was so, Bradford placed him in a position of enormous responsibility. In all of his dealings, Bradford showed that he believed deeply in God and acted with his heavenly father in mind. His writings repeatedly give thanks for the manner in which God provided for the settlers. He wondered how it was that so many of the pilgrims lived to such a ripe old age, despite the terrible hardships they passed through. 
he concluded that it was because God had wanted to show the world that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. For all his godliness, he never allowed the church to dominate his colony the way it did at Massachusetts Bay. Church and government were kept in their appropriate spheres. The third phase of his life was the Plymouth Plantation. William Bradford leaned on his earlier education to write a history of the colony and called it of Plymouth Plantation. It was not intended for publication, but rather for the use of his children. Historians knew about the manuscript early on, however, and some consulted it. Then the document disappeared. Many years later, it turned up in England and was eventually restored to Massachusetts and printed. By writing this history, Bradford preserved the memory of the noble people who risked their lives, health, and goods for the honor of God. One of the keys to their survival and their success was a relationship William Bradford built with a Native American Christian named Squanto. Squanto acted as an interpreter for the pilgrims with the other Native American tribes in the area. Bradford said that he was a special instrument sent of God for their good beyond their expectation. He directed them how to plant their corn, where to catch fish, and how to procure other items. He was also their pilot to guide them to unexplored places for their use. In 1622, Squanto fell sick with a fever, bleeding heavily from the nose. On his deathbed, he requested that William Bradford pray for him, that he might go to the Englishman's God in heaven. He bequeathed some of his things to different ones of his English friends as tokens of his love. And then he passed away. He was a great loss to the pilgrims. He had been a godsend. Without Squanto, it is likely the pilgrims would not have survived those first two years. William Bradford died in 1657, having guided the Plymouth colony to survival despite blows so severe that other colonies collapsed when faced with similar difficulties. He died strong in his faith in God. The day before his death, he told his friends with joy that the good spirit of God had given him a pledge of happiness in another world and the first fruits of his eternal glory. I think William Bradford could certainly be listed in the great hall of faith in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By faith, Abraham, when, he, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went 
even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The story of William Bradford and the Pilgrims is not just a story of hard work and survival. It's also a story of faith. And Hebrews 11 teaches us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. During this last year and a half of dealing with the COVID pandemic, we have seen an increase in what people have called deaths of despair. These are people who have lost hope and lost faith. No matter how old you are, you still need to have hope and faith for something in your future. It might be your future here on earth. It might be your future in heaven. But we all need something to look forward to at every stage in our lives. For us, believing in Jesus and believing in God is a matter of faith. Not everyone in the world has the assurance of what they hope for or have the conviction of what they have not seen. And yet, that is essential to life. It's an important part of the Thanksgiving story. A small group of English settlers who were completely out of their element, but who refused to give up and who continued to have faith that God would provide for them. And God did. William Bradford and the pilgrims were a little bit like Abraham and Sarah that we read about in Hebrews 11. It says that they were called to go to another place. By faith, they made their homes in a strange land, trusting God for their survival. Like Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob, they were looking forward into the future toward a city built with foundations, whose architect and builder was God. Hebrews 11 reminds us that many of our ancestors in the faith did not receive what they hoped for. 
They saw them from a distance, but they did not experience them in this life. They were foreigners and strangers on earth. And still today, we are foreigners and strangers on earth. Our primary citizenship is not as Americans, but as children of God, citizens of the heavenly kingdom, which will one day come and be established here on earth. Like Abraham and like the pilgrims, we are still longing for a better country and a better world. God is continuing to lead us on new adventures today to new places and to new experiences. We continue to have to trust in God every day with our lives, our children, our grandchildren, our work, our food, our finances, and our health. We have to continue to trust God with our community, our government, with disease, disagreements, obstacles, and barriers. Life will always have its challenges, but God always calls us to look through them and beyond them for something better he is preparing for us. So this week, let us all take some time to reflect on what we have to be thankful for this year. We can be thankful for all the saints in the faith who have gone before us. We can be thankful for all that William Bradford and the original pilgrims endured. The Thanksgiving holiday is an opportunity to slow down, to count our blessings, and to focus on what God has given us. It's a reminder that we walk by faith and not by sight because faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.